Okay. So here we go. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show today. Um, we have a very special show, and today we're going to be talking about the coronavirus and the politics of that. Um, a few weeks ago, we wanted to do this show because the coronavirus had given us a, a very good example of government in action. Um, South Korea and the United States had their first confirmed cases of the virus on the same day, January 22nd. And by May 3rd, South Korea had almost eliminated the virus and had already reopened much of the country. But the United States, on the other hand, was losing 3,000 people per day and had lost almost 60,000 people total. But due to some scheduling conflicts, we were unable to record the show at the time. And since then, the situation in the United States has improved a little bit. Um, last week, the US lost between 1,000 and 2,000 people every day. And what we see is a very clear picture worldwide. Countries that acted quickly and decisively are already on the road to recovery. And those that, that failed, um, they are facing weeks or months of difficult work before reopening can be possible. And so today, we are going to look at why the US was unwilling or maybe unable to act quickly to avoid this, this tragic pandemic. Okay, and um, yeah, this is something I, I, I always read, not always, but I, I, I've been uh, wanting to talk about because it's such a, uh, it's the big issue, it's the big, not issue, it's the big thing at the moment, it's, the, uh, it's what makes us all concerned and uh, we're all home, we're all um, avoiding contact. Uh, like uh, uh, lots, lots of things changed in our everyday lives. Um, relationships and uh, family relation. Well, everything. Uh, everything is different. People are are people feel depressed. People feel uh, some people feel bored. Some people feel overwhelmed. Some people feel depressed. Some people feel panicky uh but it's it's not really a positive outcome you know there are positive things amongst all that of course but it's not really a great it's not a uh a, a nice situation and right now we've been uh, following brazil case and it's also going well not downhill but uphill right it's the numbers are going up uh, each day and people have not respected social distancing uh, as much as they should. Everybody keep, everybody's trying, always, always trying to blame, to find someone to blame, uh, but they're not really respecting social distancing. So it's difficult to know who to blame, uh, although we have clear ideas of some people that are um, that are more responsible, right? But everybody is somewhat responsible for, uh, for the situation we're in. Um, 
And uh, so I, because today specifically we're talking about the U.S., I wanted to, I, I, I have a lot of questions to ask you. There's many things that I don't know. I don't know if you know because you've been living in Brazil, but you probably you do because you watch uh, U.S. news all day long. You talk to your parents and you have relatives and you have uh, friends all over the U.S., Yeah, uh, actually, I I tell a lot of people that I know much more about what's going on in the United States than Brazil, um, because I say it's only possible to follow one crazy country at a time, and and I chose to follow the United States, even though I live in Brazil, I I just can't pay attention to both countries, and so I decided I was going to pay attention to the United States. And I kind of ignored Brazil. So maybe sometime in the future, you can you can educate me, you can teach me about what's going on here. Okay, all right. Uh, I I have to say that I I've been trying to keep not only social distancing but network, TV, and everything else distance because uh, distancing because it's been crazy. Um, too much to, to, to catch up, you know, uh, as you said, two crazy countries. And at the moment, Brazil is like four or five crazy countries, countries in one. So it's difficult to catch up, difficult and overwhelming. And it's uh, a, a bit sad if you try to catch up with all the news that are coming uh, uh, like waves, you know, but okay. Uh, so, uh, can I ask you some questions? Some questions are specific. Is it okay for me to ask you? Sure. Uh, I'll try. I'll try to answer them. We'll see. All right. If you don't know, it's fine. Uh, so the first thing I, I like to know, I would like to know is, uh, about, uh, if you're feeling about the pandemic, you know, we, we all have been, as you said in the introduction, we all have been following the situation in America. And the numbers are, well, not now anymore, not so, they're not getting bigger every day now. I, I think it's, they're decreasing, right? But uh, they are, they're still big, right? They're very big. And it would be very interesting to hear from an American, what you're feeling specifically uh, is about the pandemic. Yeah, well, um, yeah, recently, like you said, um, it seemed like it, it peaked and things started to get better. But then um, people became a little bit optimistic and a lot of places started to reopen. Um, I don't know if anybody saw this, but there was a very interesting picture that went around social media when um, Wisconsin, one of the states, uh, reopened last week. And within 30 minutes, bars were completely packed and there were just people wall to wall in, the, in these bars and people took a picture of it and put it on social media. And it was just very scary for me to see all of these people in a, in a, in a place together. Um, and what's happened since these places started to reopen 
is that it's very obvious that it was premature because um, at the beginning of the month, it seemed like it peaked, things started to get better, and the deaths went all the way down to only maybe 800, 700 in one day. And then they went right back up, back up to 2,000 um, one day this week. And it looks like it might get back up to 3,000 sometime in the next week. And so um, I understand that there's a lot of confusing and conflicting information. It's difficult to know who's right, who to believe, who to trust. But it seems one thing is very clear and that we all have to take responsibility to, to maintain social distancing, to quarantine ourselves as much as possible. And I know it's not fun. Um, and it's costing a lot of people their jobs, their livelihoods, it's hurting the economy, but we all have to think about what's more important, our money or our lives. Okay. Um, Wisconsin reopened. Uh, was there any, was there any law, not, not law, but uh, in some countries there, there was a lockdown, right? Yeah. Uh, how do you, do you know the situation in Wisconsin? Like, there was no, there was a lockdown, and then they reopened uh, because the government, the, the state, allowed it, or there was no lockdown. They decided to reopen. Yeah, actually. So in Wisconsin, the the governor had ordered uh, a pretty a pretty strict lockdown, but um, someone, and I don't know if this was a business or a person challenged the lockdown and said that it was an unconstitutional, illegal order. And the, the Supreme Court, the state Supreme Court, agreed and said that the governor was not allowed to do this. And so that's why last week the lockdown ended and people were free to go back to restaurants and bars and, and we'll see in the next couple weeks what happens in Wisconsin. Because we know that it takes about two weeks from, from getting infected to see symptoms. And so if Wisconsin was opened last week, then we'll see in the next 10 days or so a big spike in cases. We'll see. Okay. Uh, now, when, 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 when this all began, do you think that the government waited too long to decide on social distancing measures? The government, I mean, I think the decision was up to, of course, that he heard tech, technicians and health, sanitation and people. Uh, but do you, do you know, uh, do you think the government, Trump, waited too long to decide on social distancing? Um, well, yeah, that's a, that's a good point, talking about the president, talking about Donald Trump because we need to talk about the fact that in the United States, the government is too general of a term. Um, so at least for this crisis, the federal government has completely failed this crisis at every opportunity and in every way. Uh, I can't think of how they could have done a worse job, uh, the federal government, but state governments and local governments have, have 
in some cases succeeded very well. And so talking about the government as if it was one thing is not very accurate here. Um, the federal government was terrible, absolutely horrible. But for example, state governments on the West Coast where my family lives and where I studied in places like Seattle and um, California and the state government of Oregon were very successful. Um, Seattle had the first big outbreak and some of the first positive tests in mid-January. By March, both Washington and California state had taken a lot of measures to prepare and they were ready to, to start a, a big lockdown. They had a lot of testing ready. And after a few difficult weeks at the end of April, most of the West Coast had pretty successfully contained the virus. But New York, um, for comparison, failed utterly. It was a terrible, terrible failure because the local officials in New York had some political jealousy with the state officials in New York. There was just a lot of bad blood between the, the city and the state officials, and they refused to work together. And so in the end, if you look at the numbers from New York and San Francisco, two cities that have uh, relatively equal populations and, and densities, um, New York lost, uh, let me see here. About 28,000 people so far have died in New York, um, but only 35 people have died in San Francisco. And to me, that just, it seems like that's probably because of the effectiveness of the, of the measures that got taken in both California State and the city of San Francisco versus New York, which delayed activity and failed to, to do anything because the politicians were arguing with each other for so long. Um, so it's, it's a very similar situation to what's happening in Brazil, right? I think so, but I don't know very many specifics about Brazil. Okay. Um, now, What is the deal with, um, in the beginning you said, in the first answer, you said that we should, uh, we should think about whether money or lives uh, matter. Mm -hmm. um, why do you think that happens? Why do you think people, uh, uh, government, states, and uh, why does it take, why, why did it take too long for them to act? Well, I think a lot of people uh, put this conflict between, between their jobs, their money, their investments, their businesses, and public health. And, and they think that the two are opposed for some reason. Um, in a in a pandemic, and that if we close down the the country, if we close down and go into lockdown, that the economy will crash, and that they'll lose all of their money. And as we see that 
is happening. So I understand why they think that. But there really is not another alternative. Because if you have uh, a major outbreak going on, it's really hard to have an economy. How, how can you imagine like going to the mall or going to a football game or, or just walking down a crowded street when you know well, that there's a, a deadly super virus spreading throughout the okay, population? Okay, I, I don't imagine doing that. But you, you said it yourself that in Wisconsin, they reopened and the bars were packed. So you see how people, I, I don't want to pass judgment here. Although it seems very clear to me what's uh, the right thing to do. Not the right, but the more, uh, help, me with, help me out with the word here, the prudent thing to yeah. do, right? Uh, but still, people, people packed bars, bars, not supermarkets. They didn't want to buy food to eat during the week. They went to a bar and they packed, they, they crowded a bar. You know, um, okay, uh, all right. I still, I still, I'm still very confused about the like all of the different reactions from people. Uh, I'm still very confused. But it's well, I would say, I would say one thing in the United States, uh, Americans are are very proud in one way. And they think that they are special, better than the rest of the world. And because of this, a lot of people in the United States, um, politicians especially, and I bet a lot of citizens, a lot of regular people, heard about this very deadly virus coming out of China. And they thought, ah, that sounds very bad. But it's happening to China, and and that virus would never dare attack the United States. Like, like the virus knows better than to do something bad to America for some reason. Yes, okay, but you guys should know better. Every every uh, major catastrophe movie, every major like end of the world movie happens in America. Like the end of the world starts in America. Everything like. Uh, the White House is attacked first by uh, aliens, you know. So why not the virus go straight from China, like jump from China to America, you know? Yeah, but uh, in the movies, America always wins. So and you'll see how after this pandemic, there will be a lot of movies, a lot of movies about it, and America will have won in the movie. Yes, of course. And that's why, that's why everyone is like, this is no big deal. America's going to win in the end. It's fine. I'll go to the bar. It's fine. It's fine. And uh, don't you think, I know that we're talking about America, but don't you think that Brazilian people have a similar, like it's, it, it goes another direction, but it has a similar feeling. Uh, in America, Americans always win because you know better and you get together and, People are strong and you organize yourselves and you fight the problem. Here in Brazil is like, no, a miracle. God is Brazilian. A miracle will happen and will save us. So it's the same outcome, but from both, from different, uh, they spring from different places, right? Yeah. One is let's get organized and let's 
get an army together with guns, with real guns, and fight the virus. That's America. And here in Brazil, let's uh, pray the viruses go away. Let's have a barbecue, and by the time the barbecue yes. is over, it'll, exactly. it'll go away. Yeah. We'll yeah. be here in the barbecue, and let's not think about this. If we yeah. think too much about this, let's try to think positive. If we think positive, negative things never happen, right? So okay. That's very Brazilian to do that, yes. Yeah. Uh, but another thing that happened in the United States, and, and I think this is actually the, the worst failure of the federal government. Yeah, they didn't have like testing available and they didn't do a very good job with the doctors and they could have done a better job ordering a lockdown. Okay, but really the worst thing that the federal government did is it didn't have a clear message to the population about how dangerous this was. And it changed the message every day. And so we started out in, in January and February and, and Donald Trump and other people in the government, senators, people were saying, this is no big deal. Everyone just forget about it. Keep going to work. Just ignore it. It's fine. And then when people figured out that it was a big deal, the government said, all right, this is a problem, but we're going to solve it. Don't worry. And they kept telling people not to worry. And then they said, okay, maybe you should worry but it's like a war, like you were saying. So go get your gun and you can shoot the virus. <laughs> and, and they tried to make it like a war against the coronavirus, but that didn't stick because they didn't have the patience or the determination to, to do that for whatever reason. They got bored. So then they moved on to, uh, all right, we're tired of this virus and I think we should reopen because the economy is important and people need jobs. So we're gonna, we're gonna reopen now. And then now it seems like their current message is eh, a couple thousand people are gonna die every day and that's fine, whatever, we don't care. And all of this changing of messaging has really confused people. And Do you made think them, that if, um, I'm sorry. Do you think that if there were, if there was a country like Tajikistan, Kazakhstan, that was to blame for this virus, and the U.S. could make a decision to whoa, you're you're mug. So, do you think that if um, if there was a, a small country, Middle Eastern country, uh, that could be blamed, and then America could just go there and bomb them, uh, then we could then they would have a, a they would be seeing the enemy and they were, ah, oh, we're bombing the enemy and it's uh, all gonna be over soon. Maybe, maybe this could all go away. Uh, I think it, it might help. I mean, if, if at the very beginning, if the government had organized everyone and said, okay, this is a patriotic thing. We all need to work together and, and let's get the army out there distributing masks and look at all of these big macho army guys with their masks. If you don't wear a mask, it means you're a little girly man. And get Arnold to wear a mask and be like, oh, I'll buff with his mask, with his American flag mask, right? 
And then, like you said, if we had just sent some fighters off and bombed people, then Arnold so, is not Arnold is not on the on Trump's side. So I don't know if he would. Do yeah, that. but they could have. I mean, they could have asked him to just show up in a video, being like "rah rah rah masks rah." I'm pretty sure he did that, and he did. But not, he would have not done because it. The, not because the government asked him. Yeah. Uh, but I'm pretty sure I saw Arnold doing that. Exactly. And Stallone as well. Yes. And but no, the government didn't do that. Mm -hmm. They they kept changing their message about masks good, masks bad, virus important, virus not important. So everyone is confused and doesn't know what to believe. Is it's the worst. Thing. Do you think do you think that's just uh not being organized or do you think that's a strategy? Like chaos the chaos strategy. Let's let let be chaotic and then People will be lost and will try to, uh, because we both know that uh, there are chaos strategies. People people choose to do that sometimes, right? We, we've been following that here in Brazil. In Brazil, that's uh, what's going on at the moment. Just let's torpedo everybody with confusion and fighting and everything. Uh, people get uh, stunned, you know. Uh, you think that's a strategy, or that was just not being organized at all, or both? I don't know. I really don't know. Like, this seems like a politician's dream scenario. Like, if you're a if you're a if you're a politician and you like winning elections, right? This is an opportunity for you to be loved by everyone. And we see around the world that countries that, that did a decent job, not even a great job, just kind of decent. The, the leaders of the country are much more popular now, like in the United Kingdom. Uh, Boris Johnson, not a very popular guy. He was never very popular until the coronavirus happened and the UK has done not great. They've done fine. They've done an okay job dealing with it. And today, Boris Johnson is much more popular than he was before. And, and so, if guys like Bolsonaro and Trump, like, had just been somewhat competent today, they would be very popular politicians. And so, I, I don't know. I don't really buy this whole, they're being chaotic on purpose idea. At least for this, this crisis specifically, because the other way is easier and more, more simple, more obvious. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. The results are better, right? Yeah. Now, uh, we talked a lot about the chaos and the negative outcome in Brazil and America specifically. Uh, but there, there were countries, uh, well, the UK, you said, did an okay job, not so, not so great. But there are countries like South Korea that have been very successful, uh, if we can use that term, right? Successful fighting a virus, uh, it's not uh, great, but um, they were, they were successful. Uh, now, comparing both approaches, America and South Korea, uh, what do you think were the main differences? Well, 
For a lot of the, the Asian countries, they had experience before because, uh, was it like 10 years ago, the SARS outbreak that happened? Um, all of these countries like Korea, Japan, China, and even places further away like Australia, uh, they got to have some experience with the pandemic and they got to see that the most important thing is to act quickly because if you delay and you allow the virus to spread, it becomes impossible to contain after it's already spread throughout the population. And so all of these countries in Asia, they, they went at it right away. They did not waste any time. And so we see today that a lot of these Asian countries have things not completely under control, but they're in a much better situation than, than we are, either in Brazil or the United States. South Korea is much better, right? Much better. Um, they, they tried to reopen the country at the beginning of the month, and they've had a few localized outbreaks. And then they closed down that city, but the rest of the country stays open. Um, what do they do in South Korea? Do, do you do you do you know specific measures? Was it was it just social distancing? Was it testing? Was it um, lockdown? Or is it just that Asian people have a, such a different education and such a different respect for rules and regulations? And because they do, it's it's completely different in the Uh, in Asia, in the in the East, than it is here. Uh, here, it's even uh, nice to rebel against rules and regulations and the government, uh, like at any time. <coughs> um, so, do you think specific measures? Do, do you know any specific measures that uh, were important for the success of? South Korea, for example. Yeah, um, and I think that you're right. I think that we can't forget that in, in these Asian countries, the people have a lot more respect for, for rules. And so when their government said, everyone wear a mask, they did, and everyone wore a mask. Or, or when they told everyone to stay at home, everyone stayed at home. They respected those orders. And that helps a lot. But more importantly, they had massive testing um, programs in place. And uh, like here or in the United States, to have enough testing to really contain the virus now, we would need like tens of millions of tests per day because we would need to be able to test everyone, everyone in the country, um, repeatedly, every, every month. And to do that, we need like 10 million tests, 20 million tests per day. Um, and, and what South Korea does is first, at the beginning of the outbreak, they tested everyone, they tested their entire population. And then anyone that was sick, they put in quarantine away from their families. They had a separate place to put them. Then they continued monitoring the population outside of quarantine. And anyone that 
showed symptoms, anyone that had a positive test after that, they then asked that person where they had been and anyone they had talked to in the last two weeks. And then they went and they found all of those people and they put not only the person who tested positive, but everyone that they talked to in the last two weeks, all of those people were put in quarantine as well until doctors could certain, make certain that none of those people had the virus before they were released. And this is really the only way to, to eliminate the virus and, and be able to reopen a country. I heard, I heard cases here in Brazil. I know people, I have friends and family that work in hospitals. Uh, and I heard cases of people that went to the hospital and they, because they, they showed symptoms of COVID and uh, then they were tested and it took some days for the results. Uh, but they were, they were bad, you know, the, and the doctor said, no, you have to be here. You, you have to be committed. You have to be in a hospital. You can't leave. And they left. They said, no, 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 I'm not staying here. And the doctor said, no, you have to stay here. You can't just, and they, they just ran away and they left. And nothing could happen to these people. Yeah. Uh, so if you, if you, if you have a person that is like, there's a 80, 90% chance that that person is sick and the doctor is telling them, just don't go you can't leave and they leave imagine all the other people that are asymptomatic or well okay um yeah and and also in in south korea at least i don't know if they're doing this in japan or, or china in south korea the government has installed onto everyone's cell phones apps that track you and monitor your your temperature all the time and so if you've been ordered to go into lockdown if you're in a city that currently is under lockdown and you leave the house the government will know because your phone is being traced and if you say ah I'm gonna go out but I'm gonna leave my phone at home you will go to jail all right but that can't happen in Brazil or America that just uh -huh. can't happen it can't. because because of individual freedom, right? Because of yeah. uh, the government can't, um, they can't do that. Even in a situation like this, they cannot do that. Uh, to be honest, I don't really, I don't really have an opinion whether that's good or bad, right or wrong. Uh, but then Sao Paulo's government tried to do something similar, and they were all accused of being dictators or communists uh, so they they stopped doing that yeah well uh, I was just reading this week uh, an article from Folia here about Sao Paulo and the article said that here in the state of Sao Paulo if if something doesn't change if we have the same conditions that continue by the end of June the state of Sao Paulo will have 50,000 new cases of coronavirus per day 
which would be a lot, <laughs> a lot of casualties, if you can imagine. So I predict that some, some strict quarantine, some strict lockdown measures are on the way for us here. And whether they're, whether they're legal or not, whether they're constitutional or not, I don't know. And I have a feeling that the government is not going to care. They might just enforce them and deal with the legal problems later. I, I heard so much about this, about, about a lockdown in Sao Paulo. Um, there was a mini semi-lockdown in Rio, uh, the city of Rio. Um, there was a car rotation in Sao Paulo last week and then everybody started to criticize that because the car rotation made people, made, made uh, the uh, influx, is that a word, of people uh, in the subway increase. You know? Okay, yeah, there was a huge influx of people on the subway. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but then people keep, that's the thing, people kept trying and keep trying to find someone to blame. And I said, well, if anyone just, anyone that can, of course, I understand that a lot of people can't, they have to go out and work. Uh, but everybody that can stay home, if they just stood home, if they just stayed home, then there will be no bigger influx of people. That's that's the thing, and and uh, companies have a say in that too. Bosses of smaller companies have a say in that too. Uh, they can just. I have students that had to go back to work because their bosses said no, you got to go back to work, uh, and they. Uh, well, one of my students, in the middle of the worst situation in Rio, one day after. The, the, the semi-lockdown was instituted. My, my student's boss told her, oh, tomorrow you need to go to Rio. And she was, she was, in, she was uh, at home doing home office. And she said, but tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, I bought your tickets. You're going to Rio tomorrow. We have to sell. She said, well, okay. And then next week you're going to Belém. I said, oh, what? Jesus Christ. Okay, and they they even told her that, well, and you're being tested for COVID because if you if you if you're so if you test positive, then you 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 can't get sick anymore. So you can just travel and uh, <laughs> and just go what? everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> They said that if she tests positive, then it's fine for her to travel. It's no problem. Exactly. Oh, my God. Exactly what they said. And I, I told her, I said, look, but can you? And she said, well, uh, my, my money, my everything depends on that. So my life, my salary, I, I need to go. I can't just say no. If I say no, don't fire me. I said, Okay, just let's hope and pray that everything is fine, that nothing bad happens. And she's young and healthy, but still. Uh, anyway, so uh, 
I, I you 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 were telling me about the phone thing, right? Uh, yeah. That yeah, I don't know how I feel about that either. It's very hmm. it's very authoritarian. Um, it seems right, but it, it is. That's the very like definition of authoritarian. But like, I don't know. Maybe it's necessary. Yeah, but there are contexts, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, and, well, and the anyway. thing about like the thing about freedom is that all right, you can have freedom, but you have to be responsible with it. And it seems like here in Brazil and in the United States, a lot of people have the freedom. Okay, you are free. You can go out. You don't. No one is forcing you to stay in your apartment with a gun, or the police are not there sending you to jail if you don't. But no yeah. one has the responsibility to do what they should. And it seems uh, to me, uh, it seems to me that people uh, that th this is the age of the this is the age of well first it is this is the age there's a song named the age of the understatement and this is the age of the understatement and it's also the age of uh the different interpretation of facts you know uh there's a there's a comedian i like very much bill hicks and he there's he has a quote. He says that uh, if you think uh, if it, if you think uh, life is about freedom, try to go somewhere without money and see if you're free. Uh, and nowadays, probably right-wing people, extreme right-wing people, would use that, would turn that message around and use that. See, that's what he means. So we need money to be alive. That means that we have to go out and work. So, yeah, but then you, you're not going to have your life because you're going to get sick and die. No. And so, and then you, the left wing would use the same, same sentence for the opposite uh, message. And so nowadays things are just a mishmash of everything, right? Um, so do you think that uh, this individual freedom thing individual freedom above all you think that played a big part on uh, in america's situation like people just didn't accept no 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 i'm not going to be home the government can't tell me what to do i have my guns here if necessary i'll fight the government i'll go to the streets uh, yeah yeah that's definitely part of it um but at least in the united states it is, there's this little paradox where the people who who are most uh, uh, patriotic are also the people who yell the most about personal freedom. And so, like I was saying earlier about if if the if the government had come out early and talked about the coronavirus and the COVID crisis as some sort of patriotic duty that. It's everyone's duty with patriotism and had the army show off their American flag masks uh, as some sort of cool patriotism display. Uh, then I think all of these, these people would have just done it as a, as a type of patriotism and would never have considered 
the individual freedom aspect of it. Okay, I get it. Um, what about the political outcome of that? Not, not, uh, not exactly the death toll or the the numbers. Uh, the energy is uh, funny here. Anyway, so. Do, do you believe that, uh, how, what, what do you think about the political outcome? Do you think, well, Trump has said a lot of things about China uh, over the past months. He's still, he's still doing that. Do you, do you believe that China and U.S. relations will be, or, do you think the relations are or will be shaken uh, after this is all over? Well, first of all, Talking about, about this being over is interesting because I, I think that when this is over, a lot of things are going to be different. And so we can't, it's really impossible to think about going back to the way things were because nothing is going to go back to the way things were. Um, whether we're talking about how we work, or international politics, or the things that, that we value every day. Everything is going to be different. But if we're talking about how the US relationship with China, that's all, all rolled up into globalization and the, the economic system there. How like everything from your computer to, to pharmaceutical supplies are made in China nowadays. And nobody really thought about this situation until we had a global pandemic and then we couldn't get face masks because they were all being made in China, <laughs> which, which doesn't seem like a very good idea, but no one had considered it until it, it was a crisis. It's not a good idea, not because it's China. It's not a good idea to have everything made in one place. That's what you mean, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I remember, I remember 2015, I guess, Trump went to David Letterman who was being interviewed by David Letterman. And so Trump started to talk about politics at that time. And Letterman asked him about China and the relations. And Trump said, we're bringing the government, we're bringing jobs back to America. That's what we need to, that's what we need to do. Uh, and that's what the government should, should be working for and blah, blah, blah. And Letterman, and then Trump said, I have gifts for you, David. I have a, a, a tie and a, a shirt from my collection. And David said, "Wow, nice, tremendous gifts. And, uh, and then he got the gifts, he got the shirt, he got the ties and he checked, Letterman checked the, the tag live. And he said, well, made in China. What, 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 can you, what can you tell me about this, Trump? Well, I'm a businessman, you know, I do what's best for my businesses. And, and Lerman said, well, interesting. And so and yeah. that was 2015. I think maybe before 14, I don't know. But uh, so that's, uh, that's funny, you know. Um, uh, oh, that's just funny. It's everything funny. everything was made in China, you know, everything from our computers to shirts, everything. 
But um, it's not just China because for a lot of things, if you talk about like a, like a smartphone, um, if you want to get a smartphone produced, you have to get supplies and pieces and different parts manufactured in probably 20 or 30 countries all around the world. And if there's a, if there's a pandemic happening anywhere in the world, even if it's just a localized pandemic in say a random country in Africa, you might not be able to produce an iPhone. If, if there are a few countries in the world suffering a pandemic, it might be impossible to make iPhones because uh, these really complex devices that we have today are produced all around the world. So I feel like in the future, people are going to understand that risk and they might not do that anymore. So things are going to be a little different. Well, don't mess with people's iPhones, right? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe things, Elon Musk. Things really get real then, right? Now, going back to our first show, maybe if we get Elon Musk to work, if we get, he's probably doing that. He's working on a better version of iPhone that can, like a phone that can become a car and travel to space. It's in your brain. Um, it's just a chip yes, that you put in your brain and then... Yeah. And then Elon Musk gets to control you for four hours a day, but the chip is free. That's the impression I get from Elon Musk uh, that he's, uh, he's like a very, very smart, intelligent, genius hippie. Like, no, man, it's, it's all in your brain. And he's actually saying, and it is actually in your brain. Yeah, right? It is actually. Uh, well, anyway, so um, as a... As a Brazilian resident, what is, I know you don't know much about Brazil. You've been following America, uh, but as a Brazilian resident, what is your expectation for our country in the next month or two or in the next months regarding the pandemic? Nothing good. <laughs> in, in the US, it seems like things have sort of stabilized. But in this, this up and down stabilization, where it doesn't get overwhelming, but it also never solves. It just sort of stays in this hazy, bad area. But in Brazil, it seems like the leaders, the, the health system, doesn't have the, the ability to even accomplish that much. And so things are just spiraling out of control everywhere um i know we saw like a month or a month and a half ago the health system in in some northeastern states get completely overwhelmed they didn't have enough beds they didn't have enough doctors they didn't have enough supplies and people were just dying without any any assistance and i am afraid that this is going to come to sao paulo very soon um, and there's no real leadership that's trying to prevent it from happening. So, yeah. and the ones that are trying to prevent it from happening, uh, they are, well, I'm not going to talk about this right now. It's because this is only political, uh, but there, 
remember when you, when you when you talked about confusing messages, right? Here here in Brazil, that's that's what's happening uh, every day: confusing messages and chaos, um, political chaos. Uh, well, uh, we can talk more about politics in another yeah. in another opportunity. Now, I think this is the last. Uh, the last question I have for you. Uh, <clears throat> uh, if you if you had a question, if you could ask our presidents, not presidents, but our our uh, authority. No, it's not authority. That's not the word. You just said our our leaders. Our leaders, yeah. If you could ask our leaders um, a question, one question about the situation, or maybe not a question, just say something, what would it be? Well, um, I would say that our presidents are, are both intelligent, talented people. Um, they're not, not for everything, because no one knows everything. But you don't become president of a great country by sheer luck. That's, that doesn't happen. So they have to be talented for something. But the thing is, they're probably not doctors. They don't know about health. They don't know about pandemics. And so both of them should start deferring to the public health experts. Uh, up until now, it seems like they are both too proud or too uninformed to, to trust the doctors. And I uh, wish that they would just start doing that. One technical question for you. Here in Brazil, we had Mandetta, which he was, he was the health minister, and then Nelson Teich, another health minister. And now, I don't know if anyone has been assigned with the, with the ministry, uh, but, in America, uh, I, I I heard about Fauci, Fauci, right? Yeah, Doctor Anthony Fauci, I guess. Uh, do you guys have a health minister, or do you have a health technician that advises the president? Uh, how, how does it work in America, politically speaking? There's a there's a department, the Department of Health and Human Services. It's like the, the ministry that you have for health. Okay. But of course, the United States doesn't have, like SUS, doesn't have a public health care system. Mm -hmm. So it's not exactly the same, but they're, they're similar. And, and they make the decision or they just advise somebody to make the decision? They just advise Trump. They just advise the president. The president has all of the power, um, but everything. Uh, everything in in day to day operations. If the the secretary of health and human services can do whatever he wants, okay. But the president can always overrule him. Can always intervene and say no. Whatever you did, I disagree. Do the other thing. The okay. yeah. They, they don't have any power of their own. They only act to fulfill the president's desires. Yeah. 
All right, I understand. Well, uh, with that in mind, with that last sentence, they act to fulfill the president's desires. I think we could we could wrap this up. I don't have anything else to ask you. Well, actually, I have tons of things to ask you, but it would be it would take us hours. <laughs> maybe uh, next time. <laughs> maybe next time. Uh, so I think that's it for the day. Thank you for uh, giving me or sharing some of your time with me and with our viewers. Uh, and uh, I guess that's it. If you want to wrap this up, if you want to uh, close this, great. It's, it's up to you. Yeah, sure. Um, thanks, everybody, for, for tuning in. I hope I, I was informative. I hope I, I answered some of your questions also. If you have any other questions, um, you can leave a comment here. Uh, and don't forget to like and subscribe for more videos. Um, this week, we have a new grammar video coming out about adjectives. And look for other videos about politics and culture in the future, including hopefully one where I can ask Rodrigo about, about whatever is going on in Brazil. Maybe I can learn a few things. Okay, so I'll see you guys soon and have a good week. Bye-bye.